A Thanksgiving feeling of the Holy Spirit, spoken by Pastor Peter on. Alright, well good morning. So happy that you're here with us today on this Thanksgiving Sunday. Good morning to those who are watching online and uh, to those who might be in the nursery today. So there's a lot of stuff going on today. Uh, we have a lot of turkey, but we also even have vegan options as well, so I'm really happy about that. But it's more than just about the food. You know, today kind of inaugurates the holiday season, at least for me, it's, we, I, it's Thanksgiving Sunday. And for a good number of us in this room, uh, this is a day that actually excites us. We, we get excited. This is a festive moment where we get to connect with family members, where we get to connect with loved ones, think about what we can buy them for gifts during the Christmas season. It's also an opportunity for us to spiritually think about the power of Advent and what Jesus did when he came here 2,000 years ago. So for some of us, this is really uh, an exciting time. But there's a lot of us here where this is anything but excitement for you. That if the statistics are true, uh, this is the season of the year where we struggle with the most depression. This is really hard because it's a powerful reminder of what we don't have during the season. Who may not be present at the dinner table? Who we are missing during this time? What might be lacking in our lives during this season of our lives? And so for a lot of us, this can be a real hard time. It really can be. It can be a struggle of such. This is definitely not the you know, most wonderful time of the year for some of us in this room. And so this is a struggle. And the thing about Christians, sometimes they'll say something like, hey, don't worry about it. You have God. It's okay. And like, you know, sometimes we just, we hear that. And though they might be correct, it actually like, we don't feel like it makes any sense. Like, how does just God, knowing that God is with us, help us during a very difficult season in our life? It's not very helpful when somebody says that. And so what I want to talk to you about today during the season of this holiday season is how do we actually encounter this Holy Spirit that actually longs to fill us up today? You see, if you want God to be a part of your life actively, what's really required is the Holy Spirit. A lot of us may not even know about this. And so for a lot of us, we might have gone our Christian life and lived our Christian life a long time without even a desire to want a Holy Spirit to sort of fill us. And we're going to talk about that today. And so for some of you here, you have experiences of the Holy Spirit, which I think is great. I really do. But I'm going to ask you for just this service today, everything you know about the Holy Spirit, put it to the side for now and come here with an open slate, being open to maybe how God may want to speak to you. And then for some of us, and maybe a lot of us watching as well in the nursery and online and those in this room, the Holy Spirit is something you have never really connected with in your life. And for that, my heart breaks for you. But it's a gift in which Jesus Christ has given to us. And we're going to learn how we can access the Spirit's presence in our life. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about during uh, this season that we find ourselves in, this holiday season, how can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? It really is going to change you. I'm honestly, your circumstances do not have to change. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it will change your life. But we're going to talk about how we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to take a break in the Gospel of John. We've been doing this series since January. We're going to take a break and we're going to look at a beautiful book in the New Testament called Ephesians. We'll look at Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 to 21. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. 
Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of God. Can we bow our heads for a moment of prayer? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come right now. Be with us here. Be with us who are watching at home or in the nursery. And I pray that you'll help us to make sense of this text so that we can really apply it to our lives. I thank you, God, that in this text you're not being really subversive in how we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's such explicit teaching. And so, God, I pray that we would, every single one of us, that we would realize that over time the Holy Spirit does leak in our lives. And we do have to refill ourselves with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it will leak. And unfortunately, um, deep, dark things will begin to happen in our lives if we allow it to leak and we run on empty. So God, I pray that you would show us the necessity of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift in which you've given to us. And I pray that we as a church would be filled with your Holy Spirit today. So I, Lord, if there are any dark spirits and powers in this room right now, I bind it in the name of Jesus. And I command it to go where Jesus sends it right now. And I ask that your spirit would dwell. And so may the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this room, I pray, God, it would indeed be pleasing unto you. And it's in your name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. All right, so before we can focus sort of on this, how do we be filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to share with you two major functions of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Now, there are other functions of the Holy Spirit, correct, but these are the two primary functions of the Holy Spirit. All right, the first function of the Holy Spirit is actually to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. All right, it is sort of this image that you get that when you are going outside in a torrential downpour, even if you're outside for a few minutes, you're going to get soaked, right? You're going to get drenched. That's the image that you get when this Holy Spirit baptizes you. You're getting drenched with the Holy Spirit, and the things that you believe is sort of joined in with the encounter that you have of God, and everything you believe in faith comes alive. And that happens primarily not just so that you can be affirmed of what you believe, but it happens primarily so that you can go out and become a witness for Jesus Christ. That's what happened in Acts chapter 1. When Pentecost came and the disciples encountered a baptism of the Holy Spirit, as soon as that happened, they went out and they led people to Jesus Christ in the thousands. And so when you and I are seeking a baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's not just for you. What it is for is for you to be filled with the Spirit in such a way to have sort of this overflowing of the Holy Spirit that just naturally propels you to go and lead people to Jesus Christ, where you're actually going to long for it. You're going to long to lead people to Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus told the disciples, you need to wait. Don't go out now. You have to wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, then you can go out and do what God wants you to do, lead people to my kingdom, all right? That's the first function of the Holy Spirit. The second function is what we're gonna spend our time in today. It's this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The function of the being filled with the Holy Spirit focuses primarily on our sanctification. And what that means is that it's this process of becoming more holy. When you and I are wanting to become more holy, what happens over time is that it allows you and I to grow so that we can exemplify and bear the fruits of the Spirit. Does that make sense? 
So when we are asking God to fill us with the spirit, we're being sanctified, being made holy so that you and I can get to a place where we can bear the fruits of the spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is controlling us, when he's filling us, what he's doing is that he's influencing, he's motivating, and he's directing our lives. And that's a beautiful thing. He really is. But when the Holy Spirit isn't controlling, influencing, and motivating and directing our lives, then our sinful nature takes control. And it begins to govern our lives. It begins to motivate us. It begins to influence us, directs our lives. Have you ever had a moment where you felt like your sinful nature was controlling you? Even things you didn't want to do, you end up doing because it was so strong in your life. Right? Many times when that happens, there's something deeper that's going on than just the actions that you are committing. There's something much deeper that you've got to uncover. Right? Paul warns us in the beginning of chapter 5 of some of these sinful practices. And I just want to highlight some of these in which he talks about. Look at verse 3 of chapter 5. Let there be no sexual morality, impurity, or greed. Greed is actually a major theme here. All right? He talks about greed several times. Such sins have no place among God's people. Upscene stories foolish talk and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. All right. Have you ever had a moment when you were so controlled by lust, impure thoughts, by your greed, by getting high or drunk, or different things that Paul's talking about here. You see, these are actions and practices where there's a, something a lot deeper that might be going on. It's not just the actions. Sometimes we focus so much on the actions, but we forget what is, what is really going on. What is the deeper thing? A lot of times it's because our sinful nature is taking control of our lives. And what we need is we need the filling of this Holy Spirit, right? We need the filling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, growing up, my father was actually a pretty pleasant guy to be around when he was sober. I still remember when I was about in first grade, we lived in Elmer's, Queens, and we lived right across the street from a park. And, uh, and so I would always go to the park after school to always play with my friends. It's weird, back in the 80s, um, like you could just hang out as a first grader without your parents' supervision, right? And so could you imagine doing that today? Like just let your kid go out as a first grader? Yeah, just come back at a certain time. I did that every day. And so I went out into the park, and I was a first grade kid playing with my friends. And I know this might be a little TMI, but I had to go to the bathroom. I had to do number two, <laughs> all right? And, uh, but because I was having so much fun, I thought I could actually hold it in. And I just wanted to play with my friends. And so I did that. I kept playing with my friends, and unfortunately, I couldn't hold it in. I had an accident. And when I had that accident, I knew that if I went home before my father came home, my mother would yell at me for not coming home. Like, you just live a block away. How come you did this to yourself, right? So I knew I would get scolded by her and all that stuff. So I waited till my father came home from work. And when I saw him walk in, I ran and I started crying. And I said, Dad, I pooped in my pants. And my mom came out. She started yelling at me. My father de-escalated the situation. It was fantastic, all right? <laughs> my father had a tendency of doing that. 
But when he drank and got drunk, all he saw was red. That's it. It wasn't necessarily him getting drunk that was the issue, although that was part of it. But there was something deeper inside of him, something dark, a sinful nature that took over, and all he saw was violence when he got drunk, something deeper. Do you guys know what that feels like? It seems more than about you just watching porn or doing some of these things or being greedy, cheating people or doing things like that. There's something deeper and darker there. And so you have a choice today. Either you're going to be controlled and governed by your sinful nature, in which Paul talks about, or you're going to be governed and controlled, if you're a Christian, by your spiritual nature. And I think all of us would say, we'll pick the spiritual nature over the sinful nature. I really hope and pray that that's your heart today. Because if it is, there's good news here. Because Paul says this. He says in verse 18, he says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus Christ died for us on the cross and resurrected from the dead, the gift that he gave to us is the Holy Spirit. And he wants you and I to, he wants you, he wants to give that gift to you today, all right? He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word filled or fullness in the Greek in verse 18 that we see here, it means to be united with the triune God. That's why you are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just the charismatics that are encouraging you to do this. The reason why Paul is saying you and I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit is because when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are united with the triune God. Amen? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When you and I are living in unity with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you have a chance against your sinful nature. There's hope there. And that's why you and I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why it's a non-negotiable. Because if you're going to live your life, your entire days of your life, to the day you die, if you live it without being in unity with the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, we don't have a chance, man. You don't have a stinking chance. And so we need to position ourselves to be united with the triune God. And so Paul is very explicit here in how we can be filled with the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit leaks over time. And what I want you to know is this. The Holy Spirit, this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit, is not just something that just pastors or church leaders should be doing or seeking. It's every single one of us. Paul meant that for everyone who says they are a Christian today. And look at how he tells us how you and I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 19. Verse 19, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. There are five participles here. When you break this down in the Greek language, all right? There are five participles. And participles are verbal adjectives, and that's key. We got to hone in on that. And we can actually lump this into three key principles because three of the participles you can put together. Verbal adjectives is key. The reason why Paul used the participle is because it requires you and I to act if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't about you being passive and just saying, okay, God, fill me. No, it's a lot more than that. It requires an action that you have to do some things. There are some things that you have to act upon if you and I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So having said that, what do we have to do? What are the three key things that Paul is teaching us here in order for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that during this Thanksgiving season, during the season of Advent, you don't let your sinful nature take over. You're living under the power and guidance 
of the Holy Spirit. How are we to be filled with the Holy Spirit? The first one is this, is when you make music from your hearts. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you got to make music from your heart. Verse 19, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. When you and I make music from our hearts, when we sing unto the Lord, when we praise and worship God together, what we're doing is we're not only learning and reforming the character of who God is, we're reminded of what he's actually done for us through the person of Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we're being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not about if you can sing or not, because some of you are like, well, I can't sing. It's not about your performance here. If you can't sing, then shout. Shout. Because you guys have no problem shouting at a baseball game or a football game or a basketball game or a hockey game or at your kids' hockey game or your kids' lacrosse game or your kids' football games. We have no problem shouting. And so if you can't sing, shout. Because if you do it, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Psalms 100, 1 through 3. Look at what it says. Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Do you know that God created you to worship? He created you to make music from your heart. He's wired us that way. Nobody in this room can actually sit here and tell me you don't like music. All of you like music. Now, you may not like Christian music, but you definitely like music. We all listen to it because we were created to make music from our hearts. We're created to worship God, to sing unto him, and to shout unto him. And if we're not doing it with God, I guarantee you're doing it with someone else. Or somebody else. I don't want to embarrass her too much, but my daughter, Christina, my oldest, she's a Swifty. <laughs> big time. Not little time, big time. She texted us, like, I think last June or October in 2022, and she said, Family, I got tickets to the Taylor Swift concert. We're like, oh, congratulations, that's great. I didn't know how hard it was to get tickets to the Taylor Swift concert. And she said, um, and this was like, I think, I think it was like October of 2022. She said, I am going to reserve a car, because I need a car to drive down to Philadelphia, because the concert's at Eagle Stadium. I need a car, all right? My concert's in May. I was like, you got like six, seven months. Why are you reserving a car six, seven months before? But that's how excited she was. Then I found out how much she can get for those tickets if she sold it. <laughs> $3,000. I said to her, I was like, you should really think about selling it, making some money on the side because you don't have a job yet. And she's like, no, Dad, I waited my entire life to listen to her and watch her at, in concert. And so she reserved the car about six, seven months before the concert even happened. She took the car with her friend, and they went hours before the concert. You know why? You know why they went so early? To stand in line to buy the swag. This is a real thing, guys. So she says to me, she goes, Dad, there's only a limited supply that they have. I can't go there and just buy if I go on time. It'll be all gone. I need to go and give Taylor Swift more money and buy swag. <laughs> right? And so she and her friend went early, and they had a plan. They were going to separate so they can get multiple swags, different swags, because every line is different. You can't get everything. Lines are different. And I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. And so she went to the concert, and do you think she, her and her friend just sat there like this and just watched no. passively? 
No. Do you think she was self-conscious about whether she could sing or not? Right? No. She stood up the whole time, singing, shouting, dancing. She memorized her dance moves. And Taylor Swift's not known for her dancing, but she memorized her dance moves. <laughs> Crazy. She came back, she lost her voice. Because <laughs> she danced so much, sang so much. And then, and then, just last month, she went with some people in our church where she went and paid a movie ticket to watch the same concert that she saw <laughs> back in May to pay more money. And in addition to that, she dressed up as Taylor Swift. <laughs> I got a picture of that. I want to show you. That's her. All right? Now, Jenny and I are not trying to look like Taylor Swift. We went to a Halloween party, and, and, and Christina came with us, and, uh, and she says, that, that's Taylor Swift. I, I didn't know that it looked like Taylor Swift, but that's her impersonation of Taylor Swift. And she went to the movies, and she didn't just sit there passively, but she stood up, and she was dancing, singing. Everyone in that theater was dancing and singing. Why? Because when they sing songs with Taylor Swift, there's something that she's done. She's good, right? She's really good. But when her fans sing her songs, man, they feel connected to her. When they dance the way she dances, man, they feel connected to her. They feel like they're connected to her in a deep way. And that's why they do these things. They spend this kind of money. And when you and I come to church on Sundays, when we worship and sing songs to Jesus Christ, what we're doing is we're connecting ourselves with the triune God. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's not about whether you can sing or not. It's about whether you're willing to shout for Jesus. Amen. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's about you singing, making music from your heart. I know it's not easy, but it's really what it's about. Listen, that's why I want to encourage you. Come to church on time or early. Prepare your hearts for worship because when you worship with the people in the church, you're actually putting yourself in a position to be filled with the Holy Spirit. All right? I encourage you to do that. Come on time and don't just hang out in the hallways. Come and worship with us. It's not just something we do before the sermon. We're doing it because we want you to be filled with the Spirit. Put yourself in a position where you can be filled with the Spirit so you can be connected with the triune God. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And please understand, one important thing you need to realize, you don't sing unto Jesus. You don't make music from your heart so that you can be more spiritual. No. You do it because you already are spiritual. You're worshiping him because it's a byproduct of your spirituality. Because you've come in contact with his grace and his mercy and his love for you. And so as a result, you're singing your worship unto him. He changes worship altogether now, doesn't it? I hope that you'll come and worship and realize that worshiping Jesus, making music from your heart, allows you and I to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The second thing, and how we can be filled with the Holy Spirit, he teaches us, is when we give thanks for everything. When we give thanks for everything. Look at verse 20. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving is a major theme in the New Testament. We are to give thanks for everything. Maybe a better translation is not necessarily everything, but we are to give thanks in all seasons that you and I are going through in our lives, all right? Uh, Colossians 3, 15 to 17, look at what it says here. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all his richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. 
Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with a thankful heart. And whatever you do or say, do it as representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. When you and I are being thankful in all seasons, in everything in our lives, then we are uniting ourselves with the triune God. We are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, being thankful is like a muscle. You got to build it up. The only way you can build up the muscle of thanksgiving is you actually got to be thankful every day. You got to be practicing it. It's a spiritual practice. It's a fruit of the spirit when you and I can be thankful. Now, I do want to encourage you that we aren't to be thankful for evil things that are occurring in our lives. Like if you lost somebody that you love, you shouldn't be thankful that that person died of cancer or whatever it is that you lost them of. We aren't to thank the devil for evil, no. But what we are to thank God for is this, that regardless of what happens, that God promises to be ever-present with us in our darkest times in life. And for that, you and I can be thankful. We can be thankful that we don't have to go through this season in life all alone, that God is truly with us. Amen? Amen. We can be thankful for that. And that's the thanks that God wants you and I to get to in that place. And so I hope that you can be thankful, that you can begin to be thankful more in your life. Because if you're not in a place today during this holiday season, um, I want to encourage you to do that. And could I just encourage you one thing not to do or stop doing? Because if the more you do this, the more thankless you're going to become. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop it. Nothing will quench your, this heart of thanksgiving when you begin to compare it. Because the thing is, we, a, lot, a lot of times we always compare ourselves with people that have more than us. Or have things, we like to compare with what they have and what we don't have. It's a dangerous practice. One of the best ways in how we build this muscle of thanksgiving is just be thankful for everything in which God has given to us. We have so much to be thankful for today. And we can do that. If I can just encourage you within this church, one thing I want to encourage you to be thankful for is thank God for the diversity of this church. Thank God for the intergenerationalness of Metro Community Church. We should be thankful for that. And I know it may not be easy at times, but you and I should be thankful. We have anywhere between 25 to 30 different cultures represented here at Metro Community Church. You should be thankful for that. I'm incredibly thankful for that. But what we should also be thankful for as a church is we should be thankful for the intergenerationalness of this church. We have people from all walks of life here, and that's so great. That is so great that we have the little ones here in this church. We have people who are older, who are retired that come out to this church. There is such a diversity of age in this church. And please, let's stop segregating ourselves based upon age or life stage or ethnicity because we're all the family of God. And if you want to be truly thankful that you go to a church like this, we got to be interconnected. We got to stop creating our own little silos and divisions and just congregate with our own people that we know and we're comfortable with. Could I encourage you and stretch you a little bit to think about that? That if you're a younger single person, guess what? You can still hang out with people who are older and single. You can hang out with somebody who's married, right, and older. There's nothing wrong with that if you're old and you want to hang out with younger people. I mean, mostly there's nothing wrong with that. Right? Sometimes it can be a little weird, but for the most part, there's nothing wrong with that. And vice versa. If you want to hang out with somebody older because you want to learn and glean from them, that's great. But I don't understand why sometimes you think, well, I just graduated from college. I can't hang out with this person who's single and older. Like, I just, what do we have in common? Jesus. That's what you have in common. We can come together. We don't have to be so divided. 
And so can I encourage you to think about that? That when you think about joining community groups, you don't just do community groups that's a partic particularly to your life stage. I know that's important sometimes, but that you would stretch yourself. It's okay to go to a couple's group. It's okay to go to this young group. And for the young people, thank you for being here. We're so blessed to have this young generation be a part of our church. Do you know the majority of churches are just dying out? And God is bringing young people. I love Generation Z folks, man. Like God is bringing people to our community. We're all a family of God. And I know it's hard sometimes to come during our, um, the once a month on, a, on that first Sunday of the month when we have family worship. I know for some of you it's a challenge. Some of you say, you know what, I'm going to stay home. I don't want to come. Because it might be hard for you to focus because children are here and stuff like that. I used to be there with you at that At one point I used to think the same way. But now I'm realizing, no. We're all a part of the same church. They are part of our church. Amen. We are part of theirs. And we can learn a lot from these children if we would stay connected. Let's be thankful for the things in which God has done in our lives and for this church and the diversity that we have here in this church. All right? So I hope that we can do that. We are to have a thankful heart. Be thankful in everything. When we do that, we're being filled with the Holy Spirit. And what that filling of the Holy Spirit means, we're being united with the triune God. Worship. Make music from your heart. Be thankful in everything. And the last thing, we're filled with the Holy Spirit when we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the hardest one. I think this is the hardest one. Verse 21. Aft and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The word submit in the Greek literally means to arrange under. You are arranging yourself under the feet of Jesus Christ. That's what that means. And so when you and I submit, what we're doing is we're arranging ourselves under the feet of Jesus Christ and we're receiving a filling of the Holy Spirit. We're being more united with the triune God. Look at Ephesians 1.22. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And so when you and I are submitting ourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ, what we're doing is we're denying ourselves. Because we don't live in a culture that submits or that likes to submit or encourages one another that we are to submit to one another. We don't live in that kind of culture because submitting to someone is a place of weakness. But in God's economy, when you and I learn to submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ, that's why we're doing it. We're not doing it because we're admitting that we're, we're weaker than the other person. No, we're doing it out of reverence for Jesus Christ because he wants you and I to submit ourselves because when we do that, we are being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're being filled with the Holy Spirit. So submission to one another is key if you and I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's really a critical thing in the New Testament that demonstrates our self-giving love, this humility and this willingness where you and I are willing to die to ourselves. It's not easy. Nobody in this room likes to die to ourselves. Do you know how selfish we are? Do you know how self-centered we are? Do you know how everything often revolves around us? My kids remind me all the time how selfish I am. I don't agree with them all the time. But most of the times, I do. We're selfish people. And so one of the reasons why it's important that if you want to be filled with the Spirit, you've got to take this posture of being filled by submitting to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ. Man, if we could do that in our marriage, your marriage would be bonkers, meaning good. 
if you can learn to be submissive to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ, then you don't care as much as being right as much as being righteous. It's really important. And we've lost this because we've come from homes where there was never any submission. But you've got to learn to submit because if you can't submit to each other out of reverence for Jesus Christ, you cannot be filled with the Spirit. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 4. Look at the warning that Paul gives. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Now, if any of you think being a Christian is easy, please look at that verse again. It's hard. It's not easy. Galatians 5.13. For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. I mean, it's crazy. Just use your freedom to submit to each other, to serve one another in love. Why is this idea of submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ an opportunity for you and I to be filled with the Spirit? Because when we do that, you know what happens? You know what we gain? We gain authority, God's authority. There's a difference between power and authority. Power is very, it's, it's oftentimes human made. You can have power in this society based upon your income level. That's powerful, right? You can be powerful based upon whatever title you possess today. You can be powerful based upon the position you hold in your family. You can be powerful today because you have a gun in your hands. Do you know how much power you have when you have a gun in your hands and what you can make people do? A lot of power. Power is destructive. And that's not what God, God doesn't want you to be powerful. He wants you to grow in your authority. Because authority doesn't happen unless we're willing to sacrifice for the people that we love. And that's why a mother who's sacrificed so much for their children, they have authority. I'm 50 years old, almost. I'm 49. (laughs) My mother has authority over my life. Why? Because she gave up her life so that her children would have a better life than she had. Even though. She lived in a very abusive home. She's got authority. An authority because it was sacrifice. She sacrificed herself out of reverence for Jesus Christ. It's important that we do it. And so how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ? Can I encourage you to do it with the person whom you cannot forgive today? Best way in how you submit to one another out of reverence for Christ is forgiving. Forgiving is a process, I get it. But I'm going to step on your toe. How long is that process going to take? How much longer is it going to take for you to forgive someone? Because you're not being filled with the Spirit. Because you're not willing to submit yourself out of reverence for Christ. It is a process, I get it. But remember the warning that Paul gives to us. He says, don't ever let the sun go down in your bitterness. Because if you do, you give the enemy a foothold. A foothold, translated into Greek, is grounds. If you're a lawyer, what that means is this. The devil has legal rights to your soul if you are not willing to forgive someone today. So who are you unwilling to forgive? Do you know Christians, we should be resident experts at forgiving people, but you know how bad we are at it? I mean, really, we should be resident experts at forgiving because if we've encountered the grace and mercy of God upon our lives in the midst of what we've done against him and God still loves us and holds us in high regard, if he can do that for us and we've encountered that kind of grace in a very concrete way, how come we cannot give that to other people? And we're unwilling to forgive people that we should be loving. We're all broken. 
It's not just that person who did a broken thing to you. We're all broken and messed up. How come we cannot forgive? And so who do you need to forgive today? Because when you put yourself in that place of forgiveness, you're submitting yourself to that person out of reverence for Jesus Christ. It is a holy place to be. And when you are in the, putting yourself in that position of holiness, you're being filled with the Holy Spirit. You're being united with the triune God. Amen? Amen. So who do you need to forgive today on this Thanksgiving holiday? I guarantee you, your holiday would be very different if you could begin to do, if you can start doing that. You see, no matter how hard this season might be for you, my father died eight years ago. We went to his grave yesterday to to remember when he passed eight years ago. I still remember the first year when he passed away. He passed away a few days before Thanksgiving, a few weeks before Thanksgiving. It was hard. It was. But we got to pay our respects. And I'm just so grateful that I was able to forgive that man because if I never forgave him for the things he's done to me and to my family, I don't think I would have much peace. And so whatever season you find yourself in, I want to just encourage you, if you've really encountered the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, you, we have to forgive those who've hurt us, those who promised us things and they never did. We need to forgive because the amount or the level of our ability to forgive will be the same degree that God will use to forgive us. So the onus is on us at, the time, at, at this time. And so this season of Thanksgiving and this Advent season could really be transformational for you if you put yourself in a position to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be united with the triune God. It happens when you make music from your heart. It happens when you can be thankful for everything and when you can submit to one another out of reverence for God. Several years ago, during our building campaign, um, uh, Metro, we are still in the pursuits of pursuing a building uh, not to have a church, but we want to build a community center for Englewood. Englewood's never had a community center. And so we did a capital campaign. We had to raise millions of dollars so that we can do this, so that when the city does say yes, that we could go and then start construction. And so I want to just encourage you. We are still in this process of waiting to hear back from the city. Could you pray that the city council would really feel the urgency to come up with a request for a proposal for Liberty School? Um, because if they do that, then we could fill it out, and then we can put it in, and then we'll just let God take over from that point, right? And so if, we could, if you could pray for that, that would be great. But back in that day, we had to do a capital campaign. how to raise money. And so one of the things in how you, do, in how you raise money is you got to talk to people inside our church, outside of our church that might be able to give to it. A lot of you gave so generously to the building campaign. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I had to talk to people in the church who actually had some, that were considered wealthy, high net worth. I remember calling some of them individually, just asking and seeing their thoughts and stuff. And there's one particular person that I was talking to um, disagreed with me in some ways about us owning a building. And he made that very clear. He goes, I don't believe churches should own buildings. It's a waste of money. And I said, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And we're not trying to own a church building. We're trying to build a community center for Englewood. That's our hope. You know, and then it'll be their community center. We'll just use it like this on Sundays for service. And I don't know what it was, because I'm not a great mind reader, but I, but I knew enough that because this person is at such a high level in a position, because he was a powerful person, I don't think he was comfortable with people disagreeing with him or having a rebuttal for the things he's saying. And so in conversation, as we were talking, he hung up on me. And I'm a little thick-headed, so I, didn't, I just thought it was a drop call. So I called him three times. <laughs> and by the time I called him the third time, I realized this dude just hung up on me. 
And I thought the level of disrespect, I mean, I'm his pastor for heaven's sake. You don't hang up on your pastor, God's anointed. I mean, that's messed up, man. That's really messed up. And so I was like so offended by that. I was fuming, I was livid that that happened. It was hard. And then it was hard because months later, I officiated one of his kids' wedding. I knew he was going to be there. And I was like, it's not going to be easy, right? And so we saw each other. We were being cordial the best we could. And usually when you do a wedding, like, you know, you guys know this. When you do a wedding, you give an honorarium to the pastor who officiates the wedding to take care of, like, you know, uh, travel costs and things like that, right? And so I was just anticipating something for that, right? I didn't get anything. And I remember just feeling so, like, hurt. I wasn't necessarily angry, but I was like, wow, man, I think that's, like, pretty disrespectful. Wow. I was like, I didn't know. This is the first time it's ever happened to me. And I struggled with it. Bitterness was taking over. And the thing is, like, I don't hold on to it. So I like to share that with some people, particularly my mentors. And one of my mentors is Pete Scazzaro. He wrote a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And we, he just, we, we connected to just check in on each other. And I don't talk to him a lot, but I talk to him once in a while, and I have a love-hate relationship with this guy <laughs> because he is so honest. And I share, because I was with him face, I share with him exactly what I did, what happened. I share with him the whole story. And as I was sharing this, guys, you got to realize, it was like he had this huge smile on his face. It was like I told him I won the lotto or something like that. Like, I was like, why is he smiling? Why is he finding so much joy in my misery? And he just looked at me and he goes, Peter, this is such a gift. God gave you a gift. And I'm like, what are you talking about? How can this be a gift to me? you got to explain this to me. And he says, do you think or do you preach on Sundays that we are to be servants for God? I said, yeah, I preach that. He goes, do you believe that we're called to be servants for God? I said, yeah. He said, how are you ever going to know you're a servant if you don't let people treat you like one? He said, what this man did is actually a gift in disguise. Because at the end of the day, there are times that God has to remind us that we're servants before we're pastors or anything else. You know, a servant in the Greek New Testament is the same as slave. So he says, you got to be thankful. you got to thank God for this. Is you also need to forgive this guy because there's bitterness in there. This is such a gift that God has given to you. I didn't like hearing that. I was very offended by it. That's why I have a love-hate relationship with that guy. But you know, like, here's the thing. If you have a mentor and you don't listen to your mentor, then they're not your mentor. They're not. And a lot of times you say, well, I have a mentor, but like, when was the last time you listened to your mentor? I listened to him. And... I forgave him. How do you know if you've forgiven someone? It's not you saying, I forgave this person. Because a lot of people say, I forgive this person, but you haven't. How do you know you've forgiven someone? Is when you want good things to happen to them. When you want their lives to be blessed by God. When you feel that way towards the person you say you've forgiven, then you've forgiven them. And I did. I prayed blessings upon this man's life. And I don't know exactly when, but it was that year, it was the same year that all this happened. Uh, we were struggling financially, and we had a Thanksgiving. We always have this, right after second service, we have this Thanksgiving feast. Folks, it's really expensive, because we don't get the cheap turkey. We get the best turkeys. 
It's really thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars we spend for this, for this one time a year. And I remember getting up on the stage and I just said, hey, you know, guys, I'm sorry, but no Thanksgiving lunch this year. We're actually in the red. It's going to be tough. It's a tough year for us, so I'm sorry. I apologize. After service was over, he pulls me aside and he goes, hey, how much does that cost? I said, I don't know the exact number, but here's the range that I believe it does. He said, let me take care of that. Let me take care of it. He goes, Thanksgiving dinner is one of the best things this church does, like in the sense of building community. He goes, I'd love to, to help and support that. And God just reminded me again that when you're in line with him, when you're living in the Holy Spirit, now, he might have done this if I didn't forgive him. I don't know. But there's something that God teaches you, that when God is in control, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you're united with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he teaches you things. He shows you beauty about somebody where you only saw darkness in them. That's Christianity. That's what it means to be united with the triune God. And that's why you and I on this holiday season, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because your marriage would change if you saw the beauty of your spouse. The way God does. It would change. It would be transformational. Your situation will change regardless of what it is. If you could begin to see the beauty of what you are in your life. is that Some of you see your singleness as a curse. It's not a curse. It's a gift. Stop seeing it as a curse. Don't insult God. Your singleness is a gift. Receive the season, whatever it might be. Some of us, you're struggling financially. Maybe this could be a season where you get to begin to see what God might be doing in your life. And maybe it can help you to go deeper into examining some things where you can grow. And you can be united with the triune God and he can show you how wealthy God really is. Maybe not by changing your financial circumstances, but showing you that he's always here and he will provide for your needs and not your wants. And so this Thanksgiving season, will you allow yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Will you make music from your heart with God? Shout. If you can't sing, shout. Be thankful for everything. And submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ. That's my hope and prayer for you. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. I really prayed for you this week, and I pray that you would be filled with the Spirit, that you would actually desire that for your heart, and you would begin to pray that. But not only pray it, but that you would make music from your heart, be thankful for everything, and submit to one another out of reverence for God, that you would actually forgive those that you really struggle to forgive today. So I'm going to just give you a moment to commit yourself to doing those three things. And um, I'm going to encourage you to go to him, and to pray a bold prayer and say, God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Jesus, fill me with the Holy Spirit so that I can be united with the triune God. Your life will change when you can begin to live your life, when you know that you're living it in unity with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Put yourself in that position today and go to him. And I'm just going to close this in prayer. So go to your God.
Oh God, the wonder and the beauty of your grace. God, the wonder and the beauty of your son. I pray that my brothers and sisters would be able to see that, would be able to capture it and know it with their hearts. And God, it's so easy to do this Christianity thing. It is so easy to go through the motions of Christianity, but to put ourselves in a position where, where we are fully united with you is a game changer. And the enemy would do whatever he can to put us in a place where church would just become a ritual, where our faith in you would just become an abstract thought rather than something that can be lived out and can transform every aspect of our lives, even the pain, even the areas that many people say is hopeless. And so God, I pray today on this Thanksgiving Sunday that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. Help us to make music with our hearts. Show us the joy that there is when we can shout to you. Help us, God, to get there. Waken our soul, O Spirit of God. Awaken our soul. In Jesus' name, awaken our soul. Help us to be thankful for everything in all seasons. So that the world was say, there's no way this person could be thankful. God has to be real. That as long as we have your presence, we can be thankful for everything. And God, help us to submit to one another out of reverence for you. Help us to submit to one another out of reverence for you. I pray for broken marriages right now in this church and couples, you know who you are. I pray that you would submit to your spouse out of reverence for Christ. And God will begin to show you the beauty of who they are from his perspective. Because you've been looking at them way too much from your perspective. I pray for anyone here that's struggling maybe in their singleness. You could be in your early 20s. You could even be in your late teens. You could be later and older than that. But may you see the beauty of the season of life that God has given to you. That you still can encounter the fullness of God now. Not when you get married. So God, would you just be with us as a church? Guide us. Lord, when we're filled in the, with the Holy Spirit, honestly, we lack nothing in life. And may we believe that today. And so God, I pray a blessing upon my brothers and sisters. I pray for a special impartation of the Holy Spirit to be filled in the lives of every person here in this room, those watching in the nursery and those online. And I pray that you would fill them so they can make music from their hearts, so they can be thankful for everything, so they can learn to submit to one another out of reverence for our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.